You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 76. Fucking Jimbo. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, and I'm here to say, my name is Jim Purcell. And I'm Raven Perez. And we are um, doing a very um, off-the-cuff episode. Uh, Unconventional. To... Yeah, it is the holiday season, Thanksgiving weekend. Craig is currently far away. Family responsibilities, work responsibilities, mm-hmm. catch up, I suppose. Um, so Raven and I are going to take this opportunity to catch up on some Mutant Ninja Turtles urban legend issues that we missed because we did interviews the last two episodes. Right, right. And we're also going to review uh, for our first retro review in, like, decades. Oh, yeah. Long time. <laughs> uh, we're going to do Savage Dragon number 10, featuring fan favorite, guest character, Jimbo the Mighty Lobster. Yeah, you no good. Beep, beep, mother beep. <laughs> Son of a beep. Oh, is that how you imagine him speaking? You know what? I don't have a sound in my head. You know, I don't for... either. For the, you know, I mean, you kind of know, it's got to be like a lot of fucking, you know, <laughs> I'll show you sons of bitches who's boss. I'm going to fucking find that fucking dragon fucker. I'll fucking kick his fucking ass. It's got to be fuck. It's got to be, dude. Yeah. Um, but real quick, me and Raven, we're just going to, we're going to talk. We got, we had a really late breaking news story that I'm glad happened before we started recording. Literally like <laughs> hour, <laughs> like one hour. Perfect. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Savage Dragon 244 cover. It, it, it has appeared from the ether to please so, so many fans. Because uh, what do we have on the cover other than our favorite chicken head, Powerhouse? Fucking slamming Malcolm into a pinball. Not just any pinball. This is fantastic. It's a Savage Dragon pinball with, uh, of course, you know, original dragon uh, on the backboard. So, yeah, I'm fucking stoked. Fandom's favorite fighting foul. I, I thought I thought uh, uh, the previous solicited cover, Captain Tootsie, was my favorite cover of all time, but no, this is... I, I gotta say, Powerhouse slamming Malcolm into a Savage Dragon pinball machine is pretty fucking great. Mm. Gotta wonder why he, uh, Powerhouse is back and being evil again. <laughs> well, you know, it, it begs a question. Like, of course, they were. We can spec. Let's have a just have a moment of speculation. It's fine. Yeah. You know, they were wondering. Uh, him and Flash Mercury were just driving around, wondering, being monster fighting bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. So, of any old cast members to just suddenly appear in Canada, they make a ton of narrative sense to be there. So you got to wonder. I mean, we might not just be getting fandom's favorite fighting foul might also be getting 
martyrdom's most mercury <laughs> mercurial. Come on, Marvel. workshop it. <laughs> the maniac's most mercurial marauder, <laughs> Flash Mercury. And uh, you know, I'm just saying it, it's cool, man. I, I think uh, you know, powerhouse brings some potential stuff to the table is he there alone is he with his crew like are they monster hunting you know there's is there going to be a malcolm is it going to be a merry mix-up where like they have a misunderstanding and then they team up with malcolm to take out a monster like i don't know man i'm excited has he bought into the scourge's hype yeah has scourge brought him on powerhouse loves to be a number two he does dude he is yeah he's flunky number one (laughs) Flunky number one. <laughs> he is the Riker. <laughs> he is the Riker. Yeah, man. So, mm, so excited. Can't wait. I'm glad to see the old boy back. It is cool to see him back, and it's cool to have him so prominent on the cover. Can't wait for those pre-order numbers to drop through the floor. <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I was thinking of that. I literally thought that when I saw him on the cover. I was thinking, uh-oh, sales dip. <laughs> for Every our time. listeners, apparently, historically, whenever Powerhouse appears on the cover, uh, pre-orders go down. It's a, <laughs> it's a very strange phenomenon. Considering that he is fucking truly beloved. He is beloved. Like, he is beloved, dude. I mean, honestly, Eric confirmed that he's non-aging. Yep. And I'm thankful. Because he's part God. I don't want him out of the book, ever. Like, he's one of those dudes that, like, if he bites the dust, oh, the tears. Fucking tears. Oh, I would ugly cry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know. So I'm glad. I'm glad to see the man back. I am, too. Okay, well, I mean, we're really excited about uh, Powerhouse, but, you right. know, we got a little bit more somber news to oh, address. yes, yes. <laughs> Not necessarily Savage Dragon related, but I mean, given the man, I mean, you know, that we're talking about, I mean, we can't not mention this. Of course, everyone already knows by now it's old news when you're hearing this fincast, but Stanley passed November 12th, 2018, and we thought we'd just take just a real brief moment just to, you know, our thoughts and stuff. So, Jim, take it away. Well, I'll be honest, my experience with Stanley as comic creator is very limited. Um, Same. Because I have not read much of the Silver Age at Marvel, mm-hmm. and I certainly didn't read any like those back in the like early two thousands, late nineties when like he like Stanley wrote DC comics, and I read about him in Wizard magazine. I certainly never read any of those. Um, I did. What did I? Did I even want? No, I never did watch Hero Man either, which was his anime, which apparently was pretty good. Wasn't it called Ultimo? No, no, uh, Hero Man. Oh no! Ultima was his manga. I don't know if it had an anime. Damn, he had he had an anime and a manga. Possibly, possibly, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hero Man was like a kind of a giant robot show, and uh, what was his name? There was a kid, and his name was doesn't matter. Doesn't we'll just, matter. But it's, doesn't matter. It's a good name, but I, I can't recall it right <laughs> this moment. But anyway, I think it had alliteration, didn't it? Of course, it did. Okay, yeah, just checking. It was something like Yuki Yataro or no, something like no, that. No, 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 no. It was like it was like B. It was like two Bs. It was BB something like like I can't recall. I'm sure someone's screaming it right now. 
Oh yeah, dude. If you know, just telepathically but send it. <laughs> I will say I, I I have read the first like ten issues of Avengers and I mm-hmm. you know, and you know, a lot of that is on Kirby as much as it is on Stan, but I of never course. like I never like read Doctor his Doctor Strange or his or even a Spider Man. It's just it's not something I got around to, so No no dude, listen. Don't feel bad. Um I never really got to expose myself to his writing in a very direct way either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've read, I think, like Amazing Fantasy, the first one, just like, you know, to see it. But so. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I just want to read it. But like, I mean, you can hardly say that you're well read if you've only seen little bits and pieces and mm-hmm. I mean, we all, we know him because of the the era we grew up in. We know him much more as like the ambassador of comics. His name right. his name appearing on, on the inside of every Marvel comic. Oh yeah, he presents Stan Soapbox. Like even Stan, even Stan Soapbox was before my time. That was more I mean, like it, when he was an editor. It was before my time, but I feel like if you read Wizard Magazine, yeah, I feel like you kind of like that was the funny thing. Okay, before the movies, which is obviously I think a lot of people uh, now that's their exposure to him, mm-hmm. because you hear people say things that like it's like oh kindly old Stan. It's like all right, well that's a movie, that's an MCU fan talking, but like even before then, um. Just as like a person who really got going eighties nineties, you know, seeing as how I wasn't alive, <laughs> but like Wizard Wizard magazine worked really well to keep you aware of like you know Stan's importance, the and pre- so yeah, the premiere of Stripperella, a lot of yeah, on that, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> so we got a lot of that, and uh, like I said, even though I never really like got to read a shit ton of his stuff, like. I mean, you know, it was impossible not to, like, get to read an interview and hear them gush and glow about his work and contributions and his unique, like, way of handling, you know, like, with all the alliteration to help his memory, you know, and, like, Ben Grimm, like, that's kind of, like, his naming, you know, naming scheme to help him kind of remember people's personalities and just, you know, his fondness of alliteration and shit like that, so. Yeah. I don't I, I will say types of stories he told always kind of felt very similar. Sure. I, I don't know if he had a lot of storytelling range. And really yeah. his strongest uh, attribute is was his ability as an editor. Just wrangling all these cats to create the great one of the most popular superhero universes of all time. And on top of that, I think that this was a fantastic observation that sort of came out posthumously. Uh, people were like, oh, you know what? He really was even beyond like his editing and, you know, like the dialogue and whatnot. They said he was like a hell, like light years beyond uh, in terms of like brand management. Right. Like in terms his, of like his I, personal brand on its own is, is, is just there's nobody else quite like him. But even even with his like the Merry Marching Marvel Society, mm-hmm. like that kind of uh you know, Stan Soapbox, calling the fans true believers. Like, there's a reason why every YouTuber has a cute little nickname for all their followers. Right. You know, the Bro Fist Army and all this shit. It's because... Way before that, Hulkamania. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, that's what's so funny is Stan had that going on uh, way back in print in the 70s. 
Like, and again, that puts him decades and decades ahead of the curve on that, you know, community building and making, and you will, I remember in wizard, like so many times I read people being like, you know, that really just made me feel like I belong to part of a bigger group and community. And so, yeah, like, his uh, ability to market himself definitely, but his ability to like build a brand unquestionable, like unparalleled, like ahead of light years ahead of what was being done, you know, certainly at DC. Yeah. So, and just to bring it back to Eric, Eric Larson asked on Twitter, like with, with Stanley gone, like who is the ambassador of comics to the greater? And there's nobody, I mean, there's nobody really, not that, like Stan with that kind of marketing branding. Like, I don't even know how to phrase it. It's just synergy center. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Sounds cheesy, but like, I mean, he, you know, the, the charismatic, guy, the character, you know, the guy in front of the, the, the amusement park drumming up. Yeah. The carnival barker. Exactly. There's just, I mean, now it's just, you know, it's just, Something and right up to his death. I mean, even with all the trouble, you know, at uh, personal life, you know, he's been having these last couple of years and his his health issues. He was still right there talking to fans right up to the end. Yeah, and didn't have to. No, clear like did not have to. He had money. He could have just sat around and not done shit. Mm. That was clearly done just to get out there. So, yeah, man, like an ambassador for comics, the medium. I don't know, dude. Who could fill those shoes? Like, <laughs> certainly not Eric. He he's too honest. <laughs> you almost got a spit take on the fincast, my man. <laughs> yeah, can't 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 get that blunt honesty, and uh, also be uh, everybody's favorite grandpa. <laughs> Eric's more of a Gordon Ramsay. Really. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, you know what? The, that's the funny thing, I guess. Like, uh, it, it just really, you know, you can respect and admire all the controversies of, like, you know, how creators were treat, uh, treated and, you know, whether how much he did. And, yeah. You know, I mean, glory, that whole thing. Yeah. The glory hound and all that. All that aside, it's completely impossible to ignore what he, what he did. Like, certainly... You know, his collaborations with those men were some of the highlights of their work. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you know, you can't deny he probably took advantage of people and he probably, you know, he took credit for certain things that he probably wasn't primarily responsible for. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, to a legacy like that, the, 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 the pros and the cons the only, the, the only thing you can really judge it is that in the end, he was the face. Well, and you know, it, it's the Walt Disney phenomenon. Right. Like, it's it's almost Thomas the exact Edison. same thing. Yeah, you, you just kind of like, you know, here's this guy who his name is now synonymous with the entire company and animation and just imagination and creativity. But there's a bad legacy there, you know, with the whole, <laughs> like, not, you know, wanting to treat his artists right, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost like an uncanny parallel. But in my book, you still got to look at the good. You got to look at all the good. Look at all the good shit he did. Yeah. Look at all the accomplishments. But, but, you know, and it, he did ultimately have a positive effect on 
comic fandom. Oh, yeah. You oh, got, yeah. You got to at least respect that. Oh, yeah. And again, if nothing else, that ambassador for comics, like yeah. when he would speak, uh, you know, he was a Marvel shill like fucking crazy. Oh, but sure. he would he would also just talk about how comics in general, like were such an amazing thing. And it's funny because like, I mean, you see a lot of modern creators talking about that, but like also too, unfortunately these days there's a lot of like, uh, Oh, you know, but Prince dying and there's a lot of negativity. I'm saying like, when you would hear like Stan Lee talk about it, he talked about it like there was nothing that could ever replace it. Like it was its own unique number one kind of thing. So I don't know. It's big, big shoes to fill. We'll see. It's not Bendis. It's no. not Jim Lee. No, no. <laughs> just, just start calling it's people Dan out. It's Dan Dio. <laughs> just start calling people out. It's not Bendis and it's not, uh, not Jim Lee, Stevenson, you can't do it. Like, just start calling out names. Okay, so, um, we thought me, uh, Raven and I would, uh, just take a minute, maybe talk about some comics that we've started, you know, we've been re- reading le- recently. Um, Raven, you posted a picture of, uh, your new haul from the comic oh, shop yeah. this week. Oh, yeah. Quite impressive. So much goodness. Tumescent. You know what I like? Because I'm following you on Twitter as well. I like that Jim Purcell is going to physical comic collecting. I have very specific rules about print comics right now. Really? Oh, yeah. First, got to be super cheap. Okay. That's fine. I don't go crazy. I hit the dollar bins. Oh, it was a Black Friday weekend, and I decided to take a trip to a comic shop about 30 minutes away. I hadn't been to since since the summer. Uh, It's called... Mm -hmm. um, wonderland comics and it's in putnam putnam connecticut okay. okay they're a pretty nice comic shop they got a huge back issue selection they got dollar bins they got all kinds of collection uh trade collections but it was black yeah. friday weekend and basically everything that was less than that was ten dollars and below was one dollar oh so, yeah yeah so i hit the bins and i primarily dug out a ton of uh uh, back issues of CrossGen titles. Now, nice. CrossGen was a, a company that existed between like the year 2000 and 2005. Uh, mm-hmm. Published a lot of high quality um, sci-fi and fantasy comics by a lot of very talented creators that you may have heard of: Mark Wade, uh, Chuck Dixon, uh, mm-hmm. Tony Bedard. Um, basically, a lot of very hot artists kind of became popularized uh well i won't say they got their start there absolutely not they they started elsewhere but they got they got their names out there with cross gen um who's a big one right now uh george uh, perez well perez came over mark wade and perez came over as the big name gets uh, mm-hmm. the whole thing about cross gen was they were exclusive so while they were under contract they were exclusive to cross gen which was kind of cross gen's whole deal is they had a they had a studio in florida and to work at cross gen you had to move to florida to work there but I remember the story. You got health insurance. Oh yeah, it was, it was it was a paid job. It was a it was a it was a full time non freelancer job. Yep. So you had benefits, and and that's the thing. And of course, it failed. <laughs> um, primarily because they expanded their their line of comics way too fast. Like oh, I, yeah, I, dude. someday I'm going to do a retrospective on CrossGen, and their their rise and fall is absolutely one of the greatest tragedies of comics of the last de- two decades. 
It is it is a tragedy because like I'll never forget I'll never forget that George Perez interview where he was like, well, I mean, I have health insurance now for the first time, so yeah, I mean, I have to do this, and then of course it failed, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, dude, that's so depressing. <laughs> I remember that was the problem is that they went for events, and then it was like that's all she wrote because they started doing events, and it was like, no, Crossgen, no. Well. CrossGen's whole deal was it had all these different, um, um, different genres, fantasy, mm-hmm. sci-fi type stuff, and the idea was they were all taking place on different planets within the same universe, and that there was this interconnecting notion that your main characters are getting their powers from this supernatural force that the connects, sigil, yeah, the sigil that connects all of them, and there's like this underlying story that's building up building up in the background but ultimately Mm -hmm. doesn't really affect the individual stories they're not really meant to connect to each other right um it was really it was really fucking cool in my opinion i love that kind of interconnectivity stuff that that is subtle but not overt and i really wanted it to get to that conclusion but of course the company collapsed three issues before the end of that story arc. <laughs> right, dude. The cruelest cut. Oh, yeah. It, it... <laughs> but I love CrossGen, and I never, I'm still, I still have back issues I don't have, so whenever I go to conventions or mm-hmm. other new comic shops, the first thing I do is go look for CrossGen comics. Yeah. And I got a huge chunk of a series called, it's called The First, and it is basically the the new gods equivalent of the cross gen universe. Okay. And I got like, what was it? Like, it's like 40 issues. It's like a 40 issue series. And I think I got about 30 of the issues in one. Oh, so So, let me ask you, are your gaps sequential or do you have just little gaps all over? uh, Well, right now it's little gaps all over. Although I am am missing uh, various runs on, on on various series. Cause there's like, I don't have the I don't have the specifics down, but okay. There's a couple series I didn't get at all, so I don't have any issues of. Although at this point, I think I have at least one issue of every series. Okay, so I read Ruse, read and loved Ruse. Ruse is the big Mark Wade series that was one yep. of the biggest, most popular. But he left that book on after issue twelve, and he went back to working at Marvel and DC at that point. No, that fucking dick. Why? No. Well, I, ima- <laughs> I imagine it, it was a part of. I don't know. The story of how CrossGen failed is a mystery that I need to dig into deeper. But I imagine it was just way too expensive because at one point they stopped being employees and started being freelancers again. Oh, basically, okay. It was, basically, it was costing too much to move everyone to Florida. Uh-huh. And then some people weren't happy at, in Florida or got screwed somehow. You know, it's depressing. Um, with the internet era, that wouldn't have been an issue. Well, here's well, that's true. But here's the they could have done wherever a, the fuck. Here's another amazing thing: CrossGen was on the was, was like one of the first companies to put their comics up digitally. They had really? entire, were they? Oh yeah, they had an entire website dedicated to putting out digital versions of their comics. Correct me of if I'm wrong. Of course, they also tried to get into motion comics. Oh yeah, and yuck. they and they were also kind of using themselves as a. Uh, uh, a way to generate media for movie interest. Um, in, in fact, apparently DreamWorks was one of the main reasons why the company folded because one of their titles, uh, a Kung Fu series called Way of the Rat, was being optioned by DreamWorks. Okay. But they weren't super, super uh, intense about it. So they kept dragging their feet on 
on uh, signing the contracts. Mm. And so CrossFit never got the money they needed to keep their doors open. <laughs> and so eventually they just ran out of operating capital because the DreamWorks people just kept dragging their feet and it all just collapsed. And eventually uh, all their IPs got sold to Disney, of all people. Oh, no, And dude. so now they're all under lock and key at Disney. And, and Marvel, they're never going to use them. Marvel had access to them and they did, they did a small cross-gen revival about 10 years ago now. I remember where, that. Where they took all the names and didn't and didn't use the characters except in Ruse's case because Mark Wade is a name. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, of course those series ran they ran did three series of that and um and uh they didn't make any more. Did Wade finish Ruse? Well, he did six more issues of it. And he did that best and, no. <laughs> and he did it his way where it wasn't connected to any of the the cross gen stuff. He basically, because originally it was set on another another planet that was very similar to Victorian England, whereas yeah. in his new version it was just in Victorian England. Okay, which I think is more banal and in. in, in not yeah, it was weird because like that was kind of the cool thing, is that the lead of Ruse was a Sherlock Holmes guy who didn't have the sigil. Right. His little his little assistant had the sigil. Well, um, I don't think she had a sigil. I think she was actually a. Um, I think she was one of the first. I think she was one of the, of the gods. Well, basically, I, no, I remember it, she had a, an ability of supernatural, and did. and he was still able to like you know, fucking deduce and sleuth shit out like right. really well. And I was like, and in some ways, she was kind of the star of the book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he. It was funny because he was like you know your Sherlock Holmes figure, but right. like she was a star. And it's funny because like I remember reading that and like. Uh, just being blown away. Like, it was just blown my mind, like, with all the cleverness. It's a fucking, just a clever book if you ever get a chance to read it. I gotta reread it. I wasn't a fan. I didn't read it past issue 12. Okay. Um, but... That's still get... a lot of issues. <laughs> That's true. I did get further in that than I did Sojourn, which was the, the, the Greg Land vehicle. Oh, Greg Land. Yeah, all that, right. Yeah, yeah, Greg Land made his, his big, 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 uh... Landing. Landing. <laughs> On Sojourn, which was like a like a really like Tolkien esque fantasy story, I remember it. Where you it, know what? that series' gimmick is the sigil bearer it was the uh, the bad guy, like the Dark Lord type character, so, right? So he was ruling the world, and uh, this totally normal girl with a cross with a with a with a bow was trying to take it back. Dude, I'll never forget the wizard article where Greg Land was like, "Yeah, uh, you know, for my orcs, uh, you know, you want people who just." Uh, Obviously, they're you know plays on uh, really weird looking humans. So I just look at NBA players and just mutate their features. And like it had his reference picture oh, wow. and then a drawing. Yeah, it had a drawing next to it. And I, That's, I just um, remember, I remember thinking, interesting context there. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking it was like, huh, seems weird. <laughs> seems vaguely racist. <laughs> yeah, this seems uh, hmm. And this was when when Land was big into tracing porn. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it got the job done. Yeah. <laughs> was it was just funny because like I remember though, like people fucking loved his shit, dude. Nobody gave a fuck about tracing. Like everybody's like, "Oh, wow. This guy's a dynamo." <laughs> so, yeah. The hate didn't come till much later. Greg Land used to get nothing but love. Um, okay, I didn't mean to talk about CrossGen for 15 minutes. Um, That's fine. We're in the what are we talking about a reading section, so you've been reading some cross gen. So well, you want to be fair, I haven't been reading it. I've just been digging it out of bins and bagging them. 
I really need to be get. I really need to get back into a reread of it all. But the the plan is to get more of it before I do that. Because like I, right. I want I want to do like a podcast mini series. Mm-hmm. It's like a retrospective. The Sojourn Fincast. Oh, I mean, I probably won't spend that much time talking about Sojourn. I don't. I didn't like that series. Even even Grayland aside, the Sigil Cast. Yes. <laughs> Something well, what like else that. are you reading there? Well, it was Black Friday weekend, and so that meant all the digital sales slammed me at once. So oh, I, yeah. I spent a shit ton of money on, because uh, DC Comics, for the second year in a row, did a, did a $5 collection sale. Ooh. And so I got a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, probably most notable is I picked up, uh, finally, after a freaking way too long, I picked up... Uh, Jack Kirby's New Gods and Mr. Miracle collections. Nice. Yeah, so I got those to read. And by the, the like these collections, I mean we're talking about like omnibus size, yeah. digital omnibus. Oh yeah, they're like uh, what's this Mr. Miracle collection? It's all eleven issues of Mr. Miracle, so it's oh holy shit, yeah, clocking in pretty thick. Yeah, and, and that's awesome. And, and New Gods had a bunch of like graphic novels in the back. What's the page count on this? Four hundred twenty-four. Nice for five oh, bucks. Mr. Miracle was like four hundred and fifty. For five bucks. See, that's what I love about DC omnibuses. They're fucking thick, and even even when they're not on sale, they're actually pretty cheap. Yeah, dude. Um, I also picked up the JSA by uh, Jeff Johns, which mm-hmm. uh, I like a lot. Ain't nothing wrong with that, dude. And I like Golden Age superheroes, and I, in that particular period of DC superheroes is always a favorite of mine. Even without reading it, I'm well aware that the JSA was kind of like the JLA for the bygone heroes. Yes, that, which I thought was a cool idea, you know. To well, this was have... uh, this was the modern revival. This was uh, you remember that you you re- you read Grant Morrison. You remember Grant Morrison's JLA? Yeah. Okay, so during that period, they decided to revive the JSA as well. Okay. And in fact, one of the stories in this volume I read is like a crossover between that JLA and the JSA. Electro soups and all. Um, actually, I don't think it's electro soups at this point. I think they got through that. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I like I like it. It's good. I can't. I'm. I picked up. Uh, I've had. Vol- I read volume one a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got volume two. Again, these are really thick books. They're like. Oh, I'm just looking at it now. It's like. Uh, what the fuck is this? Uh, yeah, another 425 pager. Oh, dude. Yeah. I love, so you, I love you ended up buying. <laughs> DC's just so good about just doing these omnibuses right. If you're gonna right. if you're gonna put out a, a collection, just put 12 issues in it for God's sakes. Yeah. I mean, if it's an omnibus, like, go ham. And then and let me, let any me extras buy it for five or, What, in general? It, I mean, any extras in those omnibus? Uh, not that you oh, need no, them, they're, but... They're, they're, they're cover-to-cover comics. Oh, sweet. All yeah, right. I don't know if they cut stuff for the digital version or not, because uh-huh. I haven't been able... You know, I don't have the comparison, but I'll be honest, I'm here for the comics anyway. I'll be, uh, like, uh, I was guess I was kind of, like, curious, like, with DC's um, Absolute Editions... Like they do, they tend to do like extras and like you know sketches well, and I think these shit are like, like one step down from absolutes. Okay. So uh, they're not quite deluxe. They're not quite. Right. <laughs> so um, well, that's like, fucking like, awesome. Like I think the deluxe editions are oversized. Absolutes are huge with tons of extras and like mm-hmm. the omnibuses are just regular size. They're just thick. Yeah, I think uh, like even with Invincible and Walking Dead, which is the omnibuses or I'm to buy, whatever the fuck you want to say, that I have looked at most recently, it really was just, hey, here's a bunch of comics. 
It wasn't they didn't get into hey here's a bunch of extras. Well, M- Marvel's doing their epic collections, which are very similar. There's big fat chunks of comics, mm-hmm. and uh, a few weeks ago I picked up uh, Avengers Operation Galactic Storm, mm-hmm. which was like this big crossover of the '90s. Okay, um, which I picked up because it was cheap and because I was kind of interested in Cosmic Marvel. Um, sure, it's it's funny because when I was a kid, I got the What If issue that that was based on the story arc. It was What If the Avengers had lost Operation Galactic Storm. Okay. So you, you can imagine what era this was being Operation Whatever Storm. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's got to be like Bush era. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, Earth gets blown up in, uh, in, in the What If, I mean. Earth uh-huh. gets blown up and like all the all the Marvel heroes have to team up with the Shire Empire to overthrow the Kree, it's a whole thing. But before I... But, but, but buying this book, I actually have, I have not read it yet because I decided to go back even further... Mm-hmm. A, a long time back, I picked up uh, one of the Avengers masterworks that collected the Kree Scroll War. By, Damn, by Roy Thomas, and I decided to read that first. So wait, we're talking like original Kree and Scroll? Oh, like yeah. that's yeah, nineteen early seventies, late sixties Kree Scroll War. Yeah. Damn, Jim, you're just fucking raiding the past, raiding the all, coffers of the past. I'm a, becoming a bigger fan of, well, late Silver Age, Bronze Age stuff uh-huh. in general. And I'm okay. starting to appreciate some stuff from the 90s as well. Oh, dude, like, 90s I don't know if I've gushed about this before, but I love 90s Fantastic Four. Okay. And I'm the only person on Earth who probably does. I was going to say with the burn boob window. Oh, uh, yes. The four, four, the four, four boob four, window. Four boob window and all. Four there's, a, there's a very good reason for the boob window. You see, this, oh, this, this, sell it this, to this, me. This, en- this 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 entity called Malice had has has had uh, had um, possessed Sue Storm, and uh-huh. she became all uh, dominatrixy. I remember that. And uh, when Malice <laughs> it's the left, a bit of it was uh, was left over, so she get became a bit more risque for a while. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, that wasn't the best part of the, that era of Fantasy Four, but I will tell you this: there's some good stuff in there. Tom, I love Tom, Tom DeFalco is underrated in my opinion. Uh, wasn't he loved? I thought he was loved. I don't know. I, I get the impression that period is not well respected. I know he's I loved. Mean, on, he's loved on his uh, 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 Spider Girl stuff. Oh yeah, everybody loved that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What why, we're talking the, about, May Parker. Yeah, and that's why oh, I, like. I loved. See, here's the crazy part: all of that Spider Girl and the and the spinoffs from. Um, it was called the MC2. It was like the, a near future version of like right. teenage heroes that are like the children of today's heroes. Absolutely. May Parker <laughs> is, uh, you know, named after Aunt May. She's Peter and uh, Mary Jane's daughter. But so. almost like everything about that was mm-hmm. spun out of Tom DeFalco's Fantastic Four run. So it was like okay. a continuation. So it's like it's like Eric, Lar- Eric, Lar- Eric Larson doing Savage Dragon, but instead mm-hmm. of like doing the smooth transition from dragon to Malcolm. Mm-hmm. He just stopped doing dragon and jumped straight to Malcolm. Okay. <laughs> so that would, you mean like if, uh, he jumped from, uh, dragon to Jack, <laughs> right. <laughs> or Amy, <laughs> just skip a gin. Just too many comics, Drew. No, dude, that's great, man. You picked I mean, up, I, like... I haven't even talked about like the new DC comics I'm reading. Like Tell Grant me Morris, about it. Like Grant Morrison's Green Green Lantern, which is... Well, Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. Liam Sharp is the artist who mm-hmm. is a, a longtime favorite of mine. He did a lot of British comics, uh, Judge Dredd, 
uh, right. Death's Head for Marvel UK. Of course, yeah. He's basically he's a very he's a very eighties style British artist. But that's and good. He, and he really <laughs> fucking brings it in this Green Lantern series. It is it does not look like a traditional superhero comic and it oh. should not. Jim, you're speaking my language. Oh, you so you're great. selling that shit so good right now. And you want to know what the craziest part is? The most interesting part is mm? it's not the writing and it's not the art that makes this comic really stand out. It's the okay. fucking lettering. <laughs> wait, whoa, wait, whoa. Twist. And you want to fucking twist. know why? Here, I'll bring this back to Savage Dragon. Give me 30 seconds because I'm bad with names. <laughs> Come back here. Come here, Eliopolis. Give No, 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 no. Of, oh, wow. course, of course you're going to put the credits at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here it is, finally. Thank God. How am I going to pronounce this name? Uh, Tom Orachowski. Whoa! And you might remember that name because he lettered Savage Dragon through like the mid like hundreds. Yeah, he was part of the Moo Crew, Top Cow. Oh, was he? Yeah, McFarlane Orachowski and uh, another O name. Well, I'm the free. Fucking lettering in this book is just completely different than every other like mainstream superhero comic I've read in like awesome. the last twenty years. Damn it, Jim! I think doing, he's doing stuff with like uh, sound effects that aren't done anymore. I think you just put me on this new Green Lantern book. Damn it! I was curious because I'm a Morrison Mark. Well, maybe not but... sound effects. He's doing stuff with like, like, like accenting words and like doing like big like, like graphical elements for like names and shit. Good. <laughs> Good lettering is supposed to be interesting. Yes. <laughs> and this this jumped right out at me, and I had to research the guy, and that that's when I realized, oh yeah, this guy's like this guy's been lettering comics since like the seventies or earlier. It, he knows what's up. He knows what he's doing. It's funny because like for me, like obviously I'm you know limited experience in life. Like I associate him with uh, early image, but uh, you say he's been active since the seventies. Oh, I I think he's been around forever. I I googled him once, and then I. Don't remember any of the details. Damn it, I'm loving this review, dude. You're selling the shit out of this. I'm like, mm, probably going to add this to my pool. <laughs> How many issues we in? <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. That means I can just stroll all lackadaisical style into the comic shop, pick up that one, and, you know, if I like it, cool. If I don't, whatevs. Thank you, Jim, for the Jim's gems you just dropped on us. Uh, I... And I will be breezy and easy on mine, dude. I don't have that much to really... I don't want to go into spoiler territory. Yeah. So uh, I really just want to get people going on just the general feel, like in my excitement levels for this shit. So uh, I'll be quick. I'll be real quick about this. Basically, I picked up Exorcisters, which is new from Image. Like, there's only two issues in. Drawn by the Maje Maje 3. Menage 3. Yes, Giselle Legacy. So she doesn't. So, she doesn't write Menage Three. She just draws it. Um, her and Dave work together. Corroborate. Okay, they do. Sense. And so Giselle is absolutely as much a creator writing wise. It's uh, a Stanley, uh, not like Stanley. No, don't want to suggest that. Don't want to suggest that at all. It's basically they write. They team up. They write together. Oh, so like okay. Giselle has ideas and jokes and things she wants to do. And Dave also does it, but like she's the artist. She's the only artist on it. And so Giselle is actually like a fucking comic dynamo dude and like started her own like giant comic 
fucking and it's cool because like in the back of uh Exorcisters it it promotes her Pixie Tricks network. Like she's got like so many fucking comics going and uh the cool thing for me was this was is that I bought this just to support Giselle. Right. Uh cuz I love her art and I want my friend to do well. Like I bought fucking Betty Boop to support Giselle. Really? Yeah, and ended up liking it. I ended up liking it. But um, the cool thing is, is I had no exposure to Ian Boothby, but like fucking uh, he is hilarious. Like this book is funny and is a really good looking book. So, I mean, I fucking recommend it. Uh, There's only two issues out. Like definitely give it a shot. Uh, It kind of like it feels like when you are at a distance, you might think it's like supernatural with girls. Like you know the uh, what you're talking? What are you talking about? Oh, you mean the, uh, yeah, Exorcisters? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the uh, supernatural kind of the, show with girls. yeah the TV show the Winchesters like just yeah. going around hunting demons. You may feel like that is what they're going for, but like it definitely does its own thing. Um, so fuck yeah, Exorcisters, super love it. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I. I it was a brief deal on my radar, but I'm not a big fan of Maje 3, so I avoided it for that reason. Completely different writer and completely different vibe. There's no sexuality in this book at all so far. Hmm. Like, none. It's just laughs and demon hunting and also, too, like, a good plot is started. You can tell there's, like, a bigger, deeper plot, like, going on that's not just comedy. Gotcha. But, like... Just you've got funny characters in a serious situation. And so, yeah, I don't think you have to use that as a reason to give it a pass because it's a completely different writer. Well, maybe I'll still check it out. <laughs> give it a shot, dude. Fucking get ready to have your fucking tits blown off by this one. I wasn't fucking expecting it. Go bots. Oh, yeah. Fucking, <laughs> like... Well, if you... Tom, everything Tom Silly touches. Yeah, dude. I feel like an asshole for suggesting that. But I just... When I saw he was doing it, I had no idea. I was like, oh, shit, GoBots. He put up those preview pages of Psykill in that arena. Right. And I was like, dude, I got to get this. Dude, this book is fucking beautiful. Well, when like, you work on a property no one cares about, you can basically do anything. <laughs> well, it's fucking awesome. It, it, it's really a beautiful book. And even if you don't give a fucking shit about GoBots, yeah. like there is a really good story that Tom's telling in this. Mm-hmm. And well, I, ass- I assume you read Transformers versus GI Joe. I didn't. Oh, oh, yeah. Because I don't give a shit. I don't really give a shit about Transformers or GI well, Joe. Is what's about fun. Tom Ciola, you need you need to read it, yeah. and then you need to read the comic book adaptation of the movie that was never made. <laughs> there's, okay. There's the there's the miniseries, and then there's the one shot comic book that is the adaptation of the movie based on the comic that was never made. They're very <laughs> weird. That's art, meta man. as a motherfucker. Well, meta as fuck, my man. You know, uh, one thing I, two things I appreciate about uh, GoBots, and then I'll let it go. Bots. Uh, I love that it had the variants in the back like so if you buy like one cover you're gonna just flip to the back and get all the variants nice which is fucking yeah that's really nice and number two uh whatever the fuck idw did on this book it smells terrific what it does dude comic smells it smells so smells smells like bleach and toner 
No, no, it smells so good. This book smells so good. I bought like a bunch of books. I even got like, hold on. No, this is the only IDW. I bought a bunch of books from a bunch of publishers. This GoBots book from IDW is the only one that smells this way. It smells so good. <laughs> so that's good. Rat Queens, I hate to be so quick to skip over it, but like it just continues to be good. Wait, I don't want to go into it. Rat Queens? That it never stopped. I did not know that. It never stopped, and it never stopped being awesome. Uh, similarly, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Walking Dead other than to say that I'm still fucking feeling it. This new current story arc is really fucking good uh, for a variety of reasons, but if I say them, like, it's spoilery, so I don't want to say shit, but... Man, all those spoilers about what's going on with the show sounds like a re- it's real shit. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you still watch the show? I don't watch. I, I never watch the show. Oh, okay. I mean, I watched the show like for one or two seasons, and then. Well, that's way. That's still quite a bit. I, I only watched the first season myself. Well, the thing is, is that I was really into. I was really into the whole playing off of your expectations aspect. Right, because the whole point was, uh, the the show would not be like the comic. That was the yeah, and it it was funny because, I really, really dug that. And so they fuck with you as a reader pretty good. And people who've never read the comics don't know any better. So it's awesome. But uh, I don't know. I don't think the spoilers sound lame, even though I'm at a distance. Yeah. If anything, this whole Judith Grimes thing really is pulling me in. Interesting. Like you feel so nothing? The comic, so the comic is good? Because I haven't read it since issue 125. The cool thing about the comic is that um, it's funny. The criticisms... Everybody that criticizes like it's so slow, nothing happens. It's always the same thing, and it's like, yes, it's slow. I'll give you that. But if you read it, shit happens, and the comic continues to fuck with expectations in its own ways. Uh, that's almost what this entire the current arc is almost entirely like fucking rick fighting what everyone expects to happen it's awesome like right. it's so it's so good they, they went to a new place and without saying a single thing everybody's like yeah so rick this new place let's let's fucking do this and he's like no no people no we're not we're not doing this and everybody's like yeah you need to do this rick take this motherfucker over so good dude it's fucking i don't know i'm still feeling it all right um uh quickly quickly doom patrol i'm not feeling fucking it was my weakest link even though i still love uh nick darrington's art um his art's flawless uh but it kind of got marred by a whole crossover event called milk wars that kind of ruined things what what doesn't what don't crossovers ruin and i never heard anybody say man that crossover made shit better have you ever heard that (laughs) i'm afraid i have not Nobody ever said, you know what, this was good, but as soon as that crossover started, oh, it was better. Better. It ended all the plot lines we cared about. It it forced Killed everyone. Killed a bunch of characters that, not in the, uh, that off panel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it forced a bunch of shit to happen that, you know, if you didn't buy it, you didn't understand. up now, just, just what I always wanted. Yeah, nobody, nobody, and the same thing happened with Doom Patrol, like, I was really super feeling it, and then all of a sudden Milk Wars happened, which was the young animal comic event, 
And I didn't feel like buying a comic event to read a bunch of like fucking, I just didn't, I, I don't like events. And so when Doom Patrol came back, this is quite a good comic. And yet I could not help but feel that it had nothing to fucking do with anything I'd read Apparently, before. Apparently like all the rest of Young Animal got canceled or got concluded and not renewed uh, after Milk Wars. So I guess, I guess that was their Hail Mary and it didn't quite plan out. And I guess just Doom Patrol will continue. They crossed you in that bitch. Oh sure, they crossed you in it, dude. They had a big event. Well, I'll be, tank, I'll be honest. Um, just to bring it back to me because I'm selfish. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite comics of this year, uh, uh it was uh, Eternity Girl, which was a series that Young Animal put out. Okay. Uh, fortunately, that series did not involve crossovers involving milk. <laughs> um, it was just six issues. Bing bang boom. Best one of the best series of 2018. Ooh, uh, high praise. Oh, yeah, it's one of my... It's so good. It's about it's about this uh, girl who gets uh, accidentally made immortal, uh-huh. and she wants to die, but she can't. <laughs> of course. She's immortal. And what so, a bitch. So, <laughs> so, so she decides that the only way to make this work is she's got to destroy the universe, because that's the only way to kill herself. Because that's what you do, right? Yeah, that's, that's healthy. <laughs> it was, it was, it, the whole thing is really an allegory for mental health. Oh, okay, interesting. It's, it's just it's just really good. Well, no, that sounds good. And shit, if it's uh, one of your top books of 2018, I mean, yeah, I know you got good chops. So I'll I'll give it a shot. Uh, after fucking Green Lantern first, though. Yeah, Green Lantern's <laughs> oh, pretty good. Introduce, only got so much budget. Introduces some interesting concepts. Although I will admit, the weakest part of that book is Hal Jordan, as usual. Yeah, if only, well, if only he wasn't in it. If only Kyle was in there. He, he's certainly I'm, a better choice, honestly. My homeboy Kyle Rayner. He may be dead right now. I actually don't. Know oh, this is. God damn it! DC, DC fucking hates third generation uh, legacy characters right now. They fucking Kyle Rayner's. I don't know what his deal is. I know Wally West is quote unquote dead. <laughs> sure. Well, I guess he's a second generation though. You know what was funny? Uh, that was truly when uh, the blush came off the rose for me with the uh, corporate comics. Yeah. Uh, I was actually starting to see that generation of heroes come up. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, man, cool. Like, these are my heroes. Like, I can get in with these guys because they started when I started reading. Right. And then they fucking killed them all. It's and, fucking or, ridiculous. Just to bring it back real quick to, to that JSA series I was reading. Uh-huh. That was right there in the middle of that period when DC was really pushing forward the legacy heroes thing. Yeah. Wally and Kyle and all that. The whole point of the JSA is, is these are all the next generation of the golden age heroes or even the third generation of these golden yeah. age heroes like like Stargirl. And um, um, I remember, dude, I remember those characters and then all, all, all sudden, young and oh, interesting and, and young justice and Peter David's young justice and uh just all this work being done to like create this next generation of heroes, and all of a sudden DC says, "Okay, Flash Rebirth, bring back Barry," and it all fucking just stopped. And I'll never, I'll never forget again bringing it back to Wizard. I'll never forget. I read the interview with the creator, and he was like, "I just don't see why we shouldn't be able to enjoy these characters that we love and know just because someone." that came before us said that we can't. And I'm like, that's exactly what a story means. The things that happen matter. And sorry that you love those guys, but that's how their fucking story, their story ended. Like it's time for new guys. They bring back and, Barry, they bring back Hal, and all of a sudden it's the silver JLA again. And who fucking cares? 
Dude, yeah, it ran me off. It ran me off like hard. Um, <laughs> great, great, like great tangent. I love. <laughs> um, real quick, I only have like three, and then I'm done. Uh, dear listener, don't lose faith. Kaiju Max by Xander Cannon. Of course, you've probably heard me talk about it before. I only read season one. I'm way behind. It is Monster Prison. Like, basically, giant monsters like Godzilla in a prison environment. And that's awesome. But what's great is that the dude just never seems to run out of new twists and new takes. And I'm super against spoilers, but I just gotta throw this out there. I gotta entice you. Uh, Kaiju Max, it was Monster Prison, and you're starting to get a feel for everything it has to offer. You're starting to, like, just as you start to feel, like you got its formula. They introduce women's monster prison and it gets even more bananas because of all the stuff that that entails. So absolutely fantastic. Um, my next book mm-hmm. is so awesome. It caught me by, it came out of nowhere and hit me in the face and I'm hooked. Murder Falcon. Oh yes. Murder I, Falcon. Have, I have issue one. I've not read it yet. I am. I am bad. You are in for such a treat. Well, uh, I'll tell you, the guy who writes and draws it, uh, <laughs> Daniel Warren uh, Johnson. Johnson. He did my favorite series of 2017, which was Extremity at Image Comics. It was a really tight 12 issue maxi series. Great mm-hmm. science fiction story. Like I said, uh-huh. my favorite comic of 2017, bar none. See, and here's what's beautiful. This is how you know you're going to love Murder Falcon because unlike a situation, a scenario where you have a writer and an artist and you just don't know how, like, say, this writer pairs – kind of like like tying it to Exorcisters. Like you said, eh, I didn't like Menage a 3 though, so I probably won't. And I was like, oh, but the writer's different and it's got a very different feel. And you're like, okay, what's cool is where Daniel Warren Johnson is both writer and artist – if you like that other shit, you're going to fucking love Murder Falcon. You know it because it's the same guy. Yep. So the the quick elevator pitch is that he is a Hawkman that beats the shit out of giant monsters and is powered by the power of metal. Mm. And as if that, that – that's all it needs to be. Like even if, if that's all it was, that's that could be all that it needed to be. But what's beautiful is that there's meat on those bones. There's a there's a, a extra – and you will get pulled into that extra. I don't want to say anything because that was the pleasant surprise. But let's just say that it's not like a it, – at a distance, it's easy to kind of feel like this is an axe cop type thing. Right. Real one note, real played for laughs. There's 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 extra. There's extra stuff going on. There's only two issues. Literally, Murder Falcon 2 dropped this Thanksgiving so you're not far behind at all if you're out there and you're thinking of like you want a good funny book with beautiful art and an interesting world and characters. Um, Murder Falcon, give it a fucking shot. My last thing, Jim. My last more. thing, my last thing, listeners. My last thing, Jim, is I read <laughs> in in a, a pick that will interest no one. So I'm sorry. We'll go quick. Dragon Ball, that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. Oh, boy. I've read this, or at least I've read most of it. <laughs> you, you read it? I have. I, dude, I loved it. Stan Lation when it was new. I loved it, dude. It's pretty pretty nutty. It's, it's actually pretty good. 
it's weird for the listener. I want to throw it out there. I feel like the entire world knows about Dragon Ball, so I feel like an asshole explaining this. Well, I, I'd be, I would not be shocked if a lot of our listeners don't know Dragon Ball, although they so should. This- Listener, if you don't know Dragon Ball, remember that weird Macy's Day float this year? <laughs> that fought Charlie Brown to a standstill. Yeah, the one with the blue spiky hair and the orange karate suit. See, that's a fella called Goku, you see. And he's from a he's series all, called Dragon Ball, you see. He's as popular as Mickey Mouse. Yeah, pretty, pretty popular. You know, he's a little known. No, jokes aside, Dragon Ball's huge. It's one of the legends of comics. And um, it's character yamcha is a punching bag he's a joke almost by the point he's become uh, a joke yeah he's, it's funny talk we talk about legacy and like savage dragon and progression dragon ball was a cool series in that it had progression and it had legacy yeah it, and so it's on the hat but continue it, yeah yeah oh it got it got away from that big time but like uh in the beginning uh it was about goku as a kid and then as he grew older the character the entire cast aged around him and it was cool and what's funny is Yamcha started as a big bad, like he was a badass in the series. And then, of course, as things go and go and go, he gets left in the dust and gets yeah. weaker and weaker I, compared, yeah, to, compared to everybody else. Yeah. Until he gets one hit killed. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and basically, with a, yeah, he gets one hit killed, and then he becomes the punching bag for the rest of the series. Yeah, so quite quite the progression there. So the plot is uh, someone in the real world dies and gets reincarnated as Yamcha. That's absolutely not who you would ever want to be. Uh, it's kind of, if we can make it like Savage Dragon style, it would be like dying and getting reincarnated as Bubble Boy. Huh. It's not good. You're, you're not going to be happy. But what's fun, this is a fun book. I think it does fun things. And it's a one-shot, which in manga is very rare. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool. You buy this one book and then you're done. Nine ninety-nine. you're going to enjoy it. And that's that, man. That's what I've been reading. It's a lot of Thank comic you. books. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. The ones you bought this week. We got through it. I'm, I'm just saying, Jim, we got through it. Man, comic books are awesome. They are. Read more comic books is my advice to everyone. It is just, let's just take a moment. Let's just breathe and let's just appreciate that we live in a fucking great time for comics. I mean, selection. Yeah. So Maybe many. Not so much in fandom. So many amazing titles. Because out of all those books that I read, out of all the books that you described to me, I don't feel like there was really much overlap hardly at all. It's okay. all fresh and different Everything shit. Everything from everywhere. It's so good. So, uh,. It's time that we get into... I guess not, we should probably stop talking about ourselves and start talking about Savage Dragon. Well, you know what? I think that we... <laughs> I hate to do this to you, but I think that we should get a little turtle power first. You want to do turtles first? Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, we're already in non-dragon territory. Let's just bust out those turtles issues. Rock and roll. Pull them up. Yeah, we got them, baby. Like, Turtles I gotta, I gotta four and five events went in because there's two of them. We're gonna cover two of them because we missed them the last couple episodes. These books have been coming out pretty steady. I mean, I believe up to issue seven is now out at the time of this recording. As of this recording, seven is out. All right. So, Turtles: Urban Legends number four from IDW. 
big bloody cyborg on Ooh, the cover. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the this is the big. You know what? I'm just looking at this cover. I I at first I thought, I don't know what I thought. I guess I thought it was Donatello in the cover, but no, it's the other cyborg, and Donatello is reflected in the eye. Yep, yeah. he's looking at him, thinking, "I'm gonna get that shell." <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, uh, yeah. This... And where it left off last time, the turtles had discovered Donatello's body, or at least they had discovered a skeleton with his shell. Quite the grisly scene. Just a fucking skeleton and a bloody shell. But apparently... which I thought was awesome oh, as yeah, a visual. It's a great visual. But apparently it's a human skeleton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a, not a, not a toidal skeleton. Eh, you know, it made sense to me. The front half's gone. That's isn't that weird? Like that the the, uh, the yellow piece is gone. What, what do you mean the yellow? Oh, right, the front. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the chest is gone. So it's just like a fucking skeleton laying in a big red half shell. Um. But they fucking jump in the flying car and they're like, ah, oh, we got to go get fucking Donatello. And, you know, they're fighting amongst each other and shit. Boom. This is what the Savage Dragon listeners care about. Mako, baby. Yes, this is the big Mako uh, issue. Mako versus Splinter. <laughs> uh, and, you know, what's the best way to. Oh, actually, never mind. Um, but yeah, it's Splinter versus Mako. And uh, let's just say it doesn't go super great for Mako. Ah, Splinter uses his knowledge of sharks to to whip his ass. Yep. <laughs> kick, kick, kicks him right in the fucking nose. Remember, kids, if you get attacked by a shark, just punch it in the nose. Just punch it in the nose. That, that, true with most predators, really. And then, because it's funny, because, like, they got that in there, actually, like, you know, Splinter pops him in the damn nose several times. <laughs> so good. Uh, the big Komodos fighting Mako was awesome. Like, basically, I love this whole Mako sequence, dude. Yep. So good. Not gonna lie, the Savage Dragon element is why I'm mainly here for this series. Okay. Because you and Craig told me, you were like, it's kind of like a cool little compliment to Savage Dragon. Indeed. So, that's really... That's how it was sold to me. And, I mean, it's got the same sort of spirit that a Dragon comic would have at this point in history right right it's got the it's got the bloody action and it's got the got the stakes and it's got the weirdos and it's got the i don't know it's got that eric larson rub it does it's got that feeling of things happening like you know you read a comic like if i read a turtles comic i i mean i would just imagine that like you don't feel like the turtles are in too much danger but yeah, you read this comic and all kinds of fucking crazy shit's happening. I mean, Donatello got 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 bloodied, blown up, <laughs> got turned into a blood crater. It's the heap. And you, you, we, and as you flip through, like I'm just saying, you know, kudos, Frank. Like this scene of Mako busting out of the cornfield. Yeah, that's fucking good shit, dude. That's good with all the dragons chasing him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm skipping quite a bit ahead. Uh, not that far, but it is kind of weird that they bury... No, I guess they didn't bury Donnie next to the field. Maybe they did. Yeah, you know, it was just their sort of... Yeah. It was just their sort of way, like, you know, they didn't really have a true body or anything. They just had to get, you know, take care of him. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> Like, at first I was like, well, you know, it's not that weird. And then I looked and, like, you can see, like, the base in the background past the cornfield. And I was like, hmm, 
Yeah, that is weird as shit. Like, you think they'd, like, bury him in their sewer layer or something. Mm. This thing with the flying car is funny. With oh, yeah. With Mako trying to hijack it, and then they just remote <laughs> control dump him out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then just bring the car back. <laughs> it's good, dude. There's lots of good stuff. I will say that I, uh, I enjoyed this. And then, of course, the big final splash page is, like, uh, Donatello being like, I can move, but gasp, I'm the cyborg. I really wish that I could have gone into this blind. Like, that would have shocked the fucking shit out of me. Yeah. That's all over the covers. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously, all these years later. Well, I'll tell you what, Jim, here's a chance for us to... What did you think of that shit? Did you read this when it first came out? I wasn't. I wasn't. I did not read it when it first came out. I was not an Image fan at that time. Okay, okay. I also wasn't wasn't a Turtles fan at that time. So, okay, this is what I'm saying is, for me, I got no element of surprise. So for me, I knew that he was going to be the cyborg. Like I knew right. it, and well, so I knew for that me, because I do recall seeing covers with him on it. Oh, you and, knew and, it. And, ahead and, well, time. here's the thing: I wasn't a Turtles fan. Mm-hmm. There was just enough buzz about it that I could hear the uh, some of the negativity surrounding it. Got it. Uh, basically, okay. basically how all the characters get mutilated at some point. Okay. I think it's yeah, spoiler. I think Leonardo loses a hand at some point in the near future. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I really didn't, but I'm not upset. <laughs> yeah, like it starts right off with Raph getting his face slashed open and Donnie becoming a cyborg. Dude, here's you know what? I I love how fucking nonchalant they are about him being a half mutilated freak. <laughs> like like they just don't seem to really care too much. What in the next issue? No, I mean like like all like uh, like in here they're just like, "Nah, your face is all burnt up." <laughs> oh right, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be a big. You know, deal. I will say, yeah, that like the very first issue when he got when that happened when the when the uh-huh. um, when the when the lair blows up and he gets his face slashed, they do right. seem kind of nonchalant about it. Dude, they are super nonchalant about it. like it's hilarious how little they seem to give a fuck. And, and, and with Donnie's MIA, they they there's like there's like a whole adventure before they even go look for the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some weird right, they, stuff. They go they, they go find a new place to live before they go find Donatello yeah dude I was, like that's what's so funny the it's it's getting way ahead into like six and seven territory yeah so i won't say anything but like there's some other stuff in there where it's like huh you should have maybe pursued that other thing <laughs> but nah it's fine I, i'm i'm really enjoying it uh i thought fucking four was fantastic and of course five you, you've got, like, Splinter Bat right on the cover. Yep. I mean, I guess technically, you know, you wouldn't I don't, know. Like, I don't recall what the original cover was. Your issue doesn't have it, like, inside, does it? Ah, uh, let's take a look. Hold on. Flippity so, flip, flip, flip. Is there any, any chance? No, sir. Okay. No, I don't see the original cover in yeah, here. I don't have it in my digital copy either. Ooh. See, that sucks, because I, I thought IDW always gave out all the... Uh, all the alternate covers with the digital versions. You know what? <sighs> Tying back to this smell thing. You know what? It's weird is Ninja Turtles doesn't smell as good as GoBots, and they're both from IDW. <laughs> yeah, different month. What's up? What's up with that? <laughs> now this is a splash page of this dude getting choked well, out. We don't know it's Splinter. You know, on the cover. We just oh he's, yeah, he's a big bad. He doesn't really look like Splinter. No, no, no. We have no reason to know that. But yeah, it. this fucking first splash page is fucking metal. Dude, that's great. See, that's turtles. Turtles kill. That's great, dude. Fuck yeah. That's how you know you're dealing with like some mirage turtles. 
the fucking murdering that dude. <laughs> All right, okay. I guess I guess Mikey just knocked him out. Raph is the one who's stabbing guys. You know, I mean, I gotta be honest. I couldn't stand as a child that Leonardo didn't cut people up. Oh, he never touched anyone with those blades. He just pulled them <laughs> out and looked fierce. The worst. <laughs> Simply the worst. Yeah, that cartoon is fucked up. I, Mikey, Mikey uses nunchucks more often, but at mm-hmm. a certain point, kids started hitting each other with sticks, so they gave him a grappling hook. Dude, the climbing claw. I hated that fucking shit. When they replaced the fucking nunchuck with the climbing claw, the worst. Look, and they tried to make it cool, like it had a little, it was like a little ninja turtle shell. It was like a little turtle shell with hooks on it, but it still sucks shit. It was still the worst. Um, fucking Splinter and Lord Komodo are having a you poison my drink moment. <laughs> you betrayed I, me. You were friendly to me. Now you betrayed me. Yeah, I thought, I I thought that scene was coming. I think it was, was great. Um, I think Donatello's, uh, as a first time fresh reader, so like this is something I didn't know. Uh, I love that his armor and him are like at odds that it's like sentient. His armor. Yeah. His, his a uh, cyborg, like Donatello's cyborg. Like, Oh, right. Yes. Bits. Like right off the bat. Yeah. Like right off the bat. Yeah. Like yeah, he's yeah. like at odds with it. He's like, no. And it's like, you're my prisoner. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. and he deletes him. That's stone cold, man. So good. Hey, yeah. Mirage turtles, dude, they don't fuck around. I'll get rid of you like pizza on a Friday, dude. <laughs> you know that's what he was thinking. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> no turtle ever sounded like that. Now, uh, can I just say, like, we kind of uh, ragged on the coloring a bit for yeah. not hitting its mark earlier. But already, um, here in this issue, like issue four, Five, I really feel like it's starting to come into its own. I agree. I think things are looking quite a bit more balanced. Oh, yeah. Um, there aren't any strange situations where there's, like, stark shadows and they, like, drew gray shadows for no reason. Right. And, and again, uh, not to jump too far ahead, but, like, in 6 and 7, it continues that upward trend of quality. Good. And so uh, I'm very satisfied because uh, I remember, like, uh, or if you don't remember, listeners, like, I was not super satisfied with the coloring on the earlier issues. And I actually wanted black and white issues pretty bad. But the coloring kind of, uh, it's as of this issue, to me, it's it's on its feet. So it's good. Uh, I'm pleased with it. This big, did you see Lord Komodo turning into this big fucking, like, gold Komodo? Yeah, in the previous issue that happened. Oh, I'm a moron. Dude, it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I read was, so many that comics. Ba- last issue we discovered he is he has a condition where he turns into Komodo dragons. And oh, wait. That's, not, the whole, that's the whole premise here is he's trying not to. Not that. Say, I mean the gold Komodo. I'm sorry. The, muta- the mutated Komodo. Oh, no. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. the big one with the, with the prehensile arms. Yeah, the big gold one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. And then fucking Donnie just wasted it. So fucking good. Like, just blast the shit out of it. Like, you talk about, like, 90s, <laughs> like, 90s image panels. <laughs> Look at those, like, like with the uh, ripped up, shredded looking borders. So good. Choom, 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 splat, splat, splat. 
fucking good. But uh, no, man, I'm feeling it. Uh, Pimico tells him to go down in the cave. And then, of course, what do the turtles see? They see Splinter the Bat. And that was another thing people didn't like, was Splinter becoming a bat. It was just another, like, quote-unquote mutilation that not a lot of people took to right away. You know what, though? I, I dig it. Although You fucking diaper babies. I think it's awesome. Mice and bats are not the same species. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Nah, but you know what? Neither does a bunch of giant fucking mutant turtle teenagers in a flying car. I guess not. And here's... here's I got actually nervous all of a sudden because it, this issue ends with the end for now i thought maybe the series the uh, reprint series had gotten canceled oh, when i read oh no. that i guess no I, we're good <laughs> <laughs> that is funny that it said the end for now you know what it is though there's like that kind of touches on that kind of touches on like what i said like splinter fucking flies away as a bat yeah and then that is definitely the end for now yeah. Like fucking the, the next issue, they're kind of just doing their own fucking thing. And it's okay. like, wow, you guys no, aren't no search for splinter. Yeah. He gets, he gets a little bit of lip service, but pretty much it's just on to like, Hey bro, let's babysit Casey Jen's daughter, dude. <laughs> oh, oh, Ooh. Ooh. I love shadow. She's a great character. In yeah. <laughs> wait, wait till you, yeah, man, you're, you're going to dig it. So that's it guys. Hey, we didn't have to spend too much time on that. Four uh, and five. Series is still pretty good. I like it a lot. It's got a yeah. lot of... And you're lucky you've already read 6 and 7. I'm feeling good, dude. I'm feeling good. I'm seven issues in, and I'm still digging it. So, I'm happy. Uh, it's it's everything I... Uh, you know, of course, like, jokingly, like, I don't expect it to be perfect, but, like, the uh, tonal, the uh, directional focus of the turtles themselves aside, you know, like, where they're just sort of like, eh, let's, let's go... Let's just let Splinter fly away. It's like, huh, all right, well, okay. That aside, it's fucking money. I'm loving it. The coloring's getting better. Like, it's fucking, it's coming together. So, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. Shall we get into the old meat and potatoes? (laughs) Yeah, the Thanksgiving leftovers. (laughs) I gotta say, it's a pleasure to get to review with you this issue. I'm 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 excited. I I forgot like where this comic was at like issue 10. Uh-huh. Because I thought Jimbo the Mighty Lobster appeared much later. Okay. And he didn't. This is only the think about it. This is only, this is only the thirteenth issue of Savage Dragon ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what's so fucking crazy is like we're up to issue two forty in real time and then zap us all the way back to May nineteen ninety four. And 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 Rapture's already here and Frank's already MIA with the whole thing going on with Skullface. This this book didn't this book moved fast in the early days. They didn't fuck around. I'm going to move pretty fast now, but I'm just saying like, yeah, like you said, like when you think of Jimbo, like you kind of feel more like, what would you say in your head? Like thirties, forties. Yeah. Yeah. Not issue 10 <laughs> for sure. But, uh, so awesome, dude. 
we can't we can't not I just to like soak up all this. Like we even got a, a vintage Josh Icorn. Look at all these fucking names in the credits. He's queen for a day. Oh, no, who are these people? I know, dude. Look at the color separators. Remember when when that was a thing? Who's Jenny Wong as an editor? I don't know, dude. Like, isn't that so weird? Ruben Rude. Well, we know who Ruben Rude is. No, but I'm saying to think of him as, like, colorist. Oh, right. That's crazy. That is the, like, fucking... That is the Ruben Rude, right? Isn't that yeah. the same one? The dude? Yeah. Or, okay. Or, I, I forget what else he does, but... It's it's crazy. Like, look at, like... Like, even, like, as comics, like, it's so funny. Like, in 1994, computer coloring was new. Like oh, this very was, new. And this, this was is probably so, one of those issues that got to be recolored. Well, take a look at this shit. Like, look at the credits just for coloring. I want you to appreciate this. We got the film output. We got the colorist. We got the color separators. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. What a, what a nightmare. Yeah, look, and check this out, dude. We even got Larry Martyr as executive director for Image Comics. Yeah. That's a Bean World guy, right? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Look at all these. None of these guys are Image founders. No. I know that. These days are all Image founders or Robert Kirkman. Yeah. Compare that to your modern comic. Like, it's just like all it says is like Eric Larson. Josh Icorn. <laughs> That's like all it says, you know. I wish I had a uh, new issue handy to just flip through, but like, yeah, man. It's a fucking trip. Like 1994. And so, yeah, and it's kind of cool. We can't, obviously, we cannot, uh, we cannot not talk about Jason Merritt, uh, who is a man of mystery, although. Yeah. Our, our sleuth Craig believes that he found solved the mystery because there's a Jason Merritt uh, who passed away earlier, which is like the only explanation I can think for why we've never heard anything from Jason after all these years. Yeah. Like. And Jimbo the Mighty Lobster is not Eric's creation. He can nope. o- only reprint this issue. He does not have the right to make more. And everybody, everybody keeps asking him for 25 years. Yeah. Think about it, dude. Think about that. <laughs> for 25 years, he's had to hear, bring back Jimbo the Mighty Lobster. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's create a, Character created contests are always bigger headaches than they're worth doing. Yeah, he swore he'd never do it again. It was yeah. just too much hassle. Right. Yeah, this one in particular, basically it was a big, I, I don't know what the, Right off the bat, what the what the like the initial problem was, but the fact mm-hmm. that he couldn't get in touch with the guy again was a big problem. Um, I feel like we kind of glossed over that important factor. Uh, obviously, a lot of longtime FinCast listeners know, but we do have new listeners all the time. Uh, Jimbo the Mighty Lobster was a character created by Jason Merritt for a create your character to be in Savage Dragon contest. That oh, Eric had. And now, now I remember why Eric hated the contest. It wasn't so much the Jimbo Domini Lobster being the problem. The problem was like all these entries that were like based on like like Dragon's origins or like his brother. Oh yeah. Or bullshit like that. Oh yeah. And he he just, also he said. Stand it. He also said that people like uh, accused him of like. Oh yeah. 
things that he like, Oh, you saw my character and you didn't. And he's like, no dude. Like I made up this character when I was like six, like it's not a basis on yours, but like he had to deal with it for a long time. He said he swore he'd never do it again. I would not. So I will just say that, uh, Savage it's, Dragon. Submit it's to, fucking submit to the funnies. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's fucking cool All though. It. I will say it is cool that, uh, Jimbo to Mighty Lobster has endured all these fucking years later. Like, still, it's Way interesting. more popular than Powerhouse. <laughs> would you Would you think? I think if you put them side to side, you'd probably win a, a contest. A I poll. feel like I feel like Jimbo is more popular than Zeke. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think Zeke is recognizable enough by a casual. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think I feel like Jimbo's made a lot of lists. You know, the, oh, this character, like a weirdos. lot of weirdos, comic book weirdos. Yeah, so it's cool. Like uh, Jimbo's just like a fucking profanity litting, uh, profanity spewing Popeye lobster man, basically. And so, you know, the book opens with uh, fucking Jimbo kicking ass. <laughs> and then, of course, we get introduced to Jimbo's uh, unique, one-of-a-kind way of speaking. He's even got his own word balloon treatment. Like with the rough edges and the yellow around it. Oh, yep, yep. <laughs> Jimbo, don't kill him. He didn't mean nothing. Nobody can fucking beat me. You hear me? You fucking hear me? Nobody. I'm getting fucking tired of hiding. <laughs> so good, dude. How do you hear Jimbo in your head? I'll be honest, I don't. <laughs> to me, he sounds like Mickey from Rocky. Oh, yeah, okay. That makes <laughs> sense. He's got the hat. I'll fucking show you sons of bitches who's boss. I'll fucking find that fucking dragon fucker. Now fucking kick his fucking ass. <laughs> so good, dude. Classic. Uh, then Cutthroat. Look at this sweet Cutthroat. This, this image... This... This encounter with Cutthroat's always been kind of weird to me because he's got that fucking leg cast on. Mm-hmm. Like you, I don't, I ne- like what what happens is I don't notice it in the splash page, mm-hmm. and then you turn to, uh, um, like where Dragon's punching him and he's flipping upside down, and then suddenly you really notice it. And you got to go back and check. Has that been there the whole time? Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I just every time I read it, I miss it the first time. Like, why, oh, I love why, it. why would Cutthroat be out with a busted leg doing this? I love it, dude. That's just what a badass he is. He's Cutthroat. Not a badass. It's like the whole gimmick is that he's a fucking pushover. But see, that's what's so funny is, like, take it all the way back to 1994. Yeah. Like, I was a freshman in high school, dude. Fucking almost an eighth grader, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Fucking eighth grader me. I mean, ninth grader me thought that Cutthroat was fucking awesome. <laughs> like, look at his design, dude. Eye patch, big-ass fucking skulls everywhere. Yeah, I didn't know any better. I didn't know he was a joke. I just thought he was sweet. The guy's and, missing an entire lower part of his arm. That's what makes him awesome, dude. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I never took Cutthroat seriously. You never took him? You never thought he looked cool? Not really. I mean, he's like the literal definition of an edgelord. Oof. Yeah, accurate. What about Killraiser? Uh, Hellraiser? I don't like oh. him as much, either. 
Damn, he's, he's another one that just kind of looks kind of kind of nineties. <laughs> That's what makes him so great. I love him. And well, uh, what, is it, what is it? Hellraiser is Hellraiser, right? I thought it was Cutthroat and Killraiser. Maybe. I know it's been a while. Listen, guys, please don't. He's please don't. De- he's been dead a while. <laughs> he's, yeah, he doesn't matter. He's fucking dead. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> like, but yeah, dude. And uh, it's funny too. Like, I really like. Even though this art, think about how old this fucking art is. Yeah. But I still like this like early Eric art, don't you? And the coloring's really neat too. It's got like this really neat texture to it. Yeah. It's almost like painted. Or yeah. Not, I don't know. Is yeah. No, I'm with you. Like the airbrushy. Right. That's it. Yeah, that's cool. I like some of the coloring choices going on here too in this sequence, yep. where it's like all red and stuff, yeah, and it's like, like sundown. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Um, yeah, man, fucking, I do love his like one long leg cast. I've never seen a cast like that in real life. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> I guess his, like his his whole leg is completely shattered. Mm-hmm. But then how is he even walking? I don't know. The cast. It's just a fucking cast. Dude, I like that fat guy, too. Just that great big, like, like he looks like Kingpin. Like, just a great big, like, huge dude. It's good. Fucking wimps. I'll fucking show him. <laughs> Jimbo. Now he's on an airplane. I guess he's flying to Chicago to prove something. That's it, dude. He's, he's on got, a mission. I gotta say, Eric is the most critical person of his like early art, and I gotta say, uh-huh. this dragon is kind of wide. He's awesomely huge. I don't know if I've said this. I'm sure I have in as many fin casts as we've done. But my favorite dragon is Enormo Arms, Tiny Tiny Legs Dragon. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so that's my favorite dragon, dude. Because guess what? Here's what's so funny. is All right, you think it's a cool visual in a comic, right? Yeah. I was walking around Point Park here in Pittsburgh, and a human, an actual human, walked by. Okay. This motherfucker looked like he never even heard the words leg day. Okay. He had the dinkiest legs, but his fucking arms were cartoon veiny big, right? Okay. And it was a cool visual in real life, too. That's you, know, awesome. you know what's really going on with this issue? Eric is doing like this really like thick shadows. Lots of shadows. Like really like black. Yeah, like fucking shadows everywhere, man. Like yeah, this rap this rapture uh drawing in particular. Mm-hmm. Like You're talking about the, the right tit shadow, right? Y- yes, specifically. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Lots of shadows. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of cool, right? Like, yeah. is it? Like, look at like, uh, look at like the nurse and fucking oh god, and look. Wait a minute, you can call me Anne. Is this where fucking Nurse Stevens? I was about to call her Nurse Stevens. That's what's fucking with me. Yeah. Like, is this where fucking Dragon and Anne Stevens meet? Uh, no, they meet earlier, but they they Dragon's I don't believe knows she's Mighty Man yet. Okay, okay, that is still a secret. Because I don't think I don't think Freak Force has happened yet. Rodney Schwartzblatt's. Remember the fucking fake out dragon? Like oh with the old... right, yeah, that comes up. That, again, that is all. That is a plot line that I thought ran a lot longer. <laughs> right. Um, and it's coming up here, basically being debunked pretty much conclusively. Yeah, prints don't match. 
Love it. I love it, man. I love that here's this fucking issue from all these years ago, and you can look through it, and it's still visually interesting. I'm just going to say it. Those rapture nipples, it's great. Um, it's just great rendering. <laughs> I don't... I, I think they're a little not very good. It's gratuitous, but it's great. I'm not sure if nipples look like that. I mean, they can. Does she have innies? <laughs> no, that's not what's going on. That's not concave, dude. That's the shadow from the erectness. Oh. Like, mm. You didn't think of... You, you didn't... That's not hitting your eye as, like, going inward, is it? Well, it looks like the, the, um, the areola... Mm-hmm. And then there's like the middle bit is like an innie. Nah, that's not what's happening. Okay. It's it's poking out and it's casting shadows. That's what's happening. <laughs> but uh, you know what is funny? I'm going to say this. Maybe I'm wrong, but whatever. I feel like those ridiculous like we can see your pockets through your shorts yeah. shorts started in comics. No, it, the Daisy Dukes. Start with Daisy Duke. Daisy Duke's pockets poked at the bottom now? I don't know. I didn't watch much Dukes of Hazard. I just know she, that's where the name comes from. But, I mean, I don't think that the pockets poked out. I don't know. But I, I remember thinking, I was like, if that's... You, if you rip your jeans enough, the pockets are going to poke out. Well, I remember thinking, I was like, that's so fake and cartoony. That'll never happen in the real world. And now it totally happens. I see that shit all the time. Yeah. Pockets poking out of shorts. I see that all the fucking time. It's fucking crazy. And she's, she's basically created Gene Thong here. Yeah, it is. It is a Gene Thong. <laughs> I don't know how comfortable that would really be. We've really paid a lot of attention to this page. <laughs> What's up with No, it's good, dude. Am I crazy? It's got to be the blue coloring, but Dragon's face in like the third panel of the police station uh-huh. doesn't look like Eric Larson. No, it's weird. It, it is weird. That like, does not look like a drawing he would do. It's got to be like, the, it's the shadow stuff and it's like the coloring is making it look. I don't know. I don't know. No, you're right, dude. You're absolutely it right. It stands dude. out to me. Yeah, it's funny because on a page full of very Larceny things, mm-hmm. um, like look, I mean, like super, like that last panel, just like his hand and his face, like super Larceny, and then like yeah, that one face right in the middle, that's very yeah, it's not very Larceny looking. Um, can you say like uh, take a look at like the feet there in the I've got places to be lieutenant. Yep, doesn't it kind of look like something was rubbed out there? What I mean, like his uh, his left foot. Yeah, yeah. Like it kind of looks like it was just edited out, maybe. Mm, I don't know. I think it's just because it's in shadow; it makes it look flat. Like a, right. Because you can't make out the shape of his foot. I don't know. It's good oh, stuff. What, oh shit! You know what? The what's his name? Lieutenant, whatever. He's got the same thing going on. Yeah, with his, his foot. foot looks wonky because of the angle he's standing at. Maybe you're right. I just look. It looks edited. I can tell what's going on with Dragon's, like, left foot. It's kind of like the way it's arched. He's like he's taking a step. Yeah. But, yeah, just it kind of looked like something was maybe censored out or rubbed out there. Still, though, so good. Like, uh, just like you said, like reading these old plots and stuff. Like, <laughs> And we get to the main attraction. These two strong dudes beating each other up. Dare you fucking ah. See? Dare? Tell me that's not Mickey. Dare you fucking ah? Thought I'd have to tear the whole fucking city apart to get your attention. (laughs) 
so good. Just wanted to kick the shit out of you, that's all. I remember when a kid, as a kid, see how shit is like dollar sign, pound sign, exclamation point plus? Yep. I thought that was so fucking awesome. <laughs> clever. I thought that was so clever. Look at this panel of like Dragon, like when he's getting punched by Jimbo, like off the page. Yep. Look at his face. Isn't that just kick ass? I'm still feeling it, dude. This art still, this art can still, this art holds up. It's crazy. I don't it's think just, there's. It is just noticeably different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what's so funny is, like, bathed in shadows. Like, you nailed it right away. Like, even characters in broad daylight. Yeah. Just bathed in shadow. I'd have to read some more issues around it to see if this was, like, an experiment issue. Now, here's what I'll say is you want to talk about, like, a very 90s thing. Check out that PAL panel where it's, like, a color silhouette. Right. You don't get a lot of color silhouettes and shit these days. No. Like, it's just not a thing people do. So good. I love this. Just to do the hilarious dig. That wasn't very nice. I like my lobster tender and sweet. That's <laughs> good. It's good stuff. <laughs> you know, it's really too bad that Jimbo couldn't stick around because he, I bet he and Mako would make a good duo. Holy shit. What, really? Jim, I just found fucking Waldo. What? For the first time. Oh, you're right. He is right there. I've been reading this fucking issue for years. (laughs) And I never saw Waldo there above Dragon's Boot. That's funny. Holy shit, dude. It's crazy to read something that you've been reading for decades and fucking see something new. What? I, I thought I thought you would just come to the revelation of uh, of Mako and Jimbo teaming up as some sort of revelation. Oh, listen, <laughs> I would love to see that. Uh, I mean, if only Jason Merritt was still with us on this mortal coil, rest his soul. I would fucking love to see Jimbo and Mighty Lobster and uh, fucking Mako come back. Maybe for issue two fifty. We can we can finally get Jason to approve. Ninety years when Jimbo becomes public domain. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. After Creator's death, isn't it only? I don't know. Oh, it is ninety years. Oh, yikes. Anyway, Savage Dragon four hundred: The Return of uh, Jimbo. Get ready to bleed, asshole! I'm the fucking strongest fucker around. Don't fuck with Jimbo to Mighty Lobster. So good, dude. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Here's Jimbo throwing a building. Remember that dude threw the building recently? Yeah. And we're like, oh, he's throwing a building. 1994. Topped. That does it. I'm pissed. So good, dude. Just the action scene of Dragon, like, coming at him. Chicago, my home. I'll be damned if I let you destroy it. (laughs) So good, dude. So sentimental. It's good. Man, so good. Like, just this classic. Yeah, give and take. Just yeah. punch and counterpunch and kick and, and you toss. Wanna, and... You want a, like, a definitive Larson, like, fight panel. Like, just Jimbo on top of Dragon with the wham, wham, wham behind him. Yep. Ooh, that's good stuff. 
and then Dragon kicking him like just fucking way up in the air, and then Jimbo just coming right back down on him. <laughs> it's so good, dude. This fight scene still kicks ass all these years. It is pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's why I think that's why people fucking love uh, love Jimbo because this is just a fucking. This still is a great issue, like. <laughs> Even though the fight is largely meaningless. Oh, yeah. Listen, totally. 100%. (laughs) But I'm just saying, what a fucking treat, right? Imagine you're Jason Merritt. And, like, fucking Larson didn't really hold back at all. Like, it wasn't like Jimbo showed up for, like, one panel. Right. Or, like, it wasn't like, you know, Jimbo was only tough on a technicality. Yeah, like, he's fuck- legitimately strong. I mean, it's implied here that he's stronger than Dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, which would put him, like, smasher level. Right. Yeah, he's beating the shit out of him. Love, just like, like, dude, I'm really soaking him the 90s-ness of this. You see another thing, like, where he says, he only cares about one thing, showing the world that he's stronger than you, and he says that I can kick your fucking ass. If you fucking know what's good for you, you'll fucking lay down and fucking die already, and dies all red. Yeah, that's very that's very Spawn. That's very '90s. You just don't get that these days. Yeah. You just don't get that. Like think of that the last time, even in Savage Dragon. Think about the last time you read a comic where just like words were read for emphasis and stuff. I, I honestly can't think of any example. I think it's cool. This is like a time capsule of experimental coloring techniques. Because again, computer coloring was brand new. Yep. And so, even in this issue, like, you can just see, like, all kinds of, like, things. Like, with the old, like, process, this would have been impossible. And so, it's important to remember that, like, for our little 1994 brains, this fucking coloring on this shit was, like, fucking next level. Like, out of this world crazy. Thing is, I'm not... Okay, I don't know a lot about coloring or the history Uh of digital coloring. I don't even know if this was digitally colored, quote-unquote. Because the whole point of having color separators is that you get the the uh, C-Y-R-K like... C-M-Y-K. Whatever it is. The values. <laughs> right. And then, I don't know. I, I mean, it was, it was digitally printed for sure, but I don't know. I know you don't need color separators these days. No, because you just do it in Photoshop and it does it for you. Yeah, the software separates the channels out. I guess that's what the separators are for, is to figure out like the layer, the like the percentage of like the like uh what's the word? I'm not uh, saturation on each yeah, value. Saturate saturations in the, like the Yeah. I don't know. It's cool, though. It's really cool. I, I got to say, like, I think this is a cool little time capsule of, like, experimental art, like, experimental for him and experimental for Eric and experimental for, like, the colorists and, like, uh, the the weird and crazy fucking thing is just how good this issue holds up. Like, look at this, like, Doom panel of, like, dragging all upside down and shit. Yep. So good. Like, that's still good. Like, if you publish that today, people would still think it looks kick-ass. It's good, man. Jimbo. I really like that um, um, 
I really like how Dragon is rendered uh, mm-hmm. behind Alex. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. And she's got like a super smooth face. Yeah. And he's got all hair and shadows and hatching. It's cool, dude. I'm telling you. But damn, that shadow is thick. It's well, good. She, she looks like she's got a fucking beard. Where? On the last panel? On the last panel, you see how see that whole black blob below her face? Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be like her shirt and stuff in shadow? Yeah. I, all I can see is a beard. Well, Jim, if that makes the comic better for you, then that's fine. <laughs> no, uh, look at the rendering on Jimbo's ass in panel one. <laughs> but no, I was saying, it is funny, like, just like the cross-hatching and stuff. That's good, dude. This fucking comic holds up. That's what's so crazy. When we started reading this, I wasn't really expecting it to hold up, but uh, it still holds up. And it's funny. I love the solution to the fight too. Like, what a perfect like. (laughs) What a what a perfect because it's funny because you get your like, you know, you get your comic book slugfest, but then in its own way, like, what a great like, you know, thinking man's victory. Like it's so simple too. He's like, meh. I just let him think he won. I don't really give a shit. He took off. And what's beautiful? Check this a little. He won't get far. Young blood or somebody will go after him. Just that little like pocket universe, like like uh, the little image universe, superhero connected universe that they had back in the beginning. This is nice. Remember these guys. Yeah, dude. <laughs> what is it? R. Richard Richards? Yeah, R. R. Richards. R. R. Richards, the fucking fiend. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, look at all these. There's all kinds of coloring shit going on, dude. Those red word balloons with the white lettering. Mm-hmm. So good. Now, wait a minute. Is this uh, Superman behind R. R. Richards' fist? Uh, yep, that's Clark Kent. That's for sure. I would say so. He is a news reporter. Let's see if Billy Batson is here somewhere. <laughs> Maybe not yet. It's good. It's 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 great. Love it. Remember these guys. Yeah. They're everyone's favorite bad acts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. I will say this: Eric is usually really good with his uh let uh his um word balloon placement. Mm-hmm. But because of the dark shadows and the black borders, it right. gets a little screwy here because you read the stuff with Overlord right. in this first panel, and you're supposed to go to this this the top left panel and read your way down. Right. And then the last word balloon where Overlord says contact him is on the right. Yep. That is probably not the best placement for that. Yep, and that's a, definitely the kind of thing these days he would not have done. No, he would have found some other way to do it. Yeah, he would have. Although it is funny because um, I will say that I remember a time when the thinking was that as long as you – it's funny, man. Like these days, like people pretty much agree readability is king, and that's good. Like that's that's super good. But, man, I remember, like, fucking people would number panels and draw little arrows and, like, shit was, like, all out of whack on a page. Like, literally, you never knew where the fuck a layout could take you. And, uh, yeah, this is one of those moments, good point out, uh, where, like, that flow is 
that flow is a little rough. It's a little uh, unnatural for sure. Yeah, yeah dude. We actually get uh, first appearance of a major character. Well, major minor character. And by first appearance, I mean first mention. Who? Frank Jr. Where? It's a boy. That's right. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, man. So cool. 1994 Frank Jr. <laughs> yeah, still in the book. That's cool, man. That's fucking cool. Now, wait a minute. Hold the phone. Look at this picture of Jimbo the Mighty Lobster as actually rendered by Jason. Yeah. It's dated 1992. Right. And yet, this comic was published in 1994. Yeah, amazing. I'm just saying, like, what gives with that two-year gap? What do you mean? He created Jimbo Mighty Lobster in 1992. Eric ran his contest. He submitted it. And then he got in the book in 94. Oh, explains kind of here. It says the deadline was July 1993. Mm -hmm. When did he launch the contest? Well, it didn't. the contest didn't say the character had to be new. Mm -hmm. It could maybe the guy drew him as for fun. And then the contest happened, so he submitted him. Right, I mean, he must right. have already been a Dragon fan, because the Dragon's getting beaten up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Look at Jimbo's fat ass. <laughs> I gotta say, Eric basically nailed the character. I mean, the character didn't need much improvement. No, he got it, dude. It's it's funny how, yeah, I mean, I just an excellent observation I just want to agree with, because, like, he just really captured exactly what Jason did. He captured the essence, like the little teeth and the eyes, like so good. Hey, shut up. <laughs> and I suppose we have a picture here of Eric buried in submissions. Like yeah. at the top. The days the, before email, the ultimate character creating contest, man, how crazy. Look at, I mean, I'm look just at all these fucking weirdos. Oh, dude, listen. Can I tell you that that Arachnus? If folks want to Google Arachnus, he went on to be a guy. Yeah. Like he had his own self-published series. <laughs> look at the pyramid, pyramid man. <laughs> I like this oh. dog. The dog should have won. Yeah, Ultra Dog's really good, actually. Ultra Dog looks like professional. Problem Child went on to be a thing too, I think. If you Google him, I feel like he went on to not like huge, obviously, but I feel like Problem Child went on to get a mini self-published something. Maybe look at the old man geezer. Very well drawn, but what the hell? Would you ever dream that you could win a contest with the geezer? Hey, he got published. He did. And how about Crimson Spade? That's some that's some anime shit from nineteen ninety four. Crimson Spade, but she has a diamond on her chest or on her stomach. <laughs> I love this coupon, dude. This like like thing. Dear Eric, my character blank is much better than Jimbo the Mighty Lobster. How could you have chosen Jimbo over blank? You've got to be insane. Blank is the coolest character ever created. 
Someday, I'll be drawing comics for a living, and I'll introduce Blank, and Blank will become the most popular character in the whole world, and won't you feel like an idiot? Feeling hurt and rejected, Blank, creator of Blank. <laughs> Love it. So, according to this, it says, uh, some runners up will have their drawings printed in Freak Force and future issues of Dragon. Uh, I don't think that ever happened, did it? Okay. I wouldn't know I wasn't there. Okay, I was going to say, I don't have Freak Force, but I'm positive we never saw any more of these created characters in Dragon's Letters column. I don't think, anyway. Hey, here's a picture of the real-life Dung. I've never actually Oh, seen yeah! Him. The real face of Dung. John Fogarty next to him. <laughs> oh, dude, we got to... I'm sorry. We got to look at this fucking profile on name withheld <laughs> oh hold on no this is gold dude not only does it say name withheld which i'm sure everyone knows is a reference to his infamous peter david letter it says oakland california 31 at this point much younger than i <laughs> much younger than i at this point favorites hostess snowballs coffee crisp captain crunch what is it eric yeah obviously okay. Yeah, man, name withheld. That's it. Hair. it threw me off. <laughs> it says uh, Curly Fries, Amy Mann, Beautiful South, Army of Lovers, Elton John, Jack Kirby, Gil Kane, Walt Simonson, Frank Miller, David Letterman, The Simpsons, Seinfeld, Hill Street Blues, Humanoids from the Deep, firing off long fucking irate letters to the fan press, despises having my name misspelled, Don't Josh Eichner. Josh Icorn wedgies and people who rip off my characters. Uh-huh. So good, dude. Influences. Kirby, Kane, Miller, Simonson, Byrne. Writing. Keith Giffen, Vic, Sade, Radio Show. Books by Henry Shute, Steve Martin movies. Nonfiction. Bernie Toppin lyrics? Nice. Is this fine? That's just some crazy shit. You know who Bernie Toppin is, right? I don't know. No shit oh. about it. Oh, Bernie Toppin is the guy who wrote most of uh, Elton John's most popular songs. Oh, all right. Well, I know now. Do you know who Elton John is? Who is that? No. <laughs> I'm good. I'm not that dumb. I'm not that dumb. I'm pretty dumb, but I'm not that dumb. Oh, dude. Everything about this extremely obscene. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Fuck the critics. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck the critics. And it worked out pretty well, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I like this. uh, Even the the back, like the watermarked image behind the uh, May releases. Yeah. You've just got like Dragon, Rapture all naked with Dragon with his little mute, like uh, half-formed hand. Wait, new releases? Uh, May releases. Oh, you know what? I think they got cut out of the digital copy. Oh! All the letters pages, but not that. Oh, those buttholes! Oh, good. So, do you have the extremely obscene with I the have, profile? I have that page, but not okay. the, the following page. You don't have extremely obscene. The opposite page says extremely obscene, <laughs> and it has the, you know, the big reveal where Dragon has the, like, unhealed hand and Rapture's all yeah. naked? But it's got, like, so, what, like a bunch of covers for future comics, right? 
Well, it's only got one. It's got Vanguard at the top, and it okay. says the one to watch, and it's like selling Vanguard. Interesting. I wonder why they cut that out of the digital version. It's weird because I'm looking, and there's no real reason because the May releases that this is promoting are all Eric-related. Hmm. It says Savage Dragon number 10, which is hilarious because that's you know what we're reading. And then it says, oh, dude, I'm sorry. I can't resist this chance to read this copy in 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 on the next issue voice have at it oh dude savage dragon <laughs> i'm sorry i'm smiling it's fucking it up <clears throat> savage dragon number 10 eric larson the fucking dragon faces off against the winner of the create a fucking character contest this reader created character goes toe to toe against the savage dragon <laughs> against the savage fucking dragon Another all-out action issue? You bet your ass. So good, dude. Well, that's one thing that hasn't changed much. All of the copy on the May releases is loaded with Jimbo speak. So you got Savage Dragon number 10, Freak Force number 6, and Vanguard number 6, and all of it is written in that way where it's like an origin so starting, so controversial, it defies fucking imagination. So good, dude. B, it says, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know the readers can't possibly care about this, but this is cracking, the listeners can't care about this. This is cracking me up. It says, readers will spontaneously combust from coast to coast over this red hot fucking issue. They will fucking explode, burst into fucking flames. Be prepared. It's going to be fucking messy. All that plus the origin of Rapture. It's another dose of solid entertainment for the funny book dollar. Highly fucking recommended not to be fucking missed. A surefire hit, no fucking joke. That's all in the solicitation? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so good, dude. I'll spare him the Vanguard. Read it yourself, folks. <laughs> okay. And then we got letters pages. Does your digital copy have the letters pages? Yes, it does have all the letters. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. Uh, and just so many pages of letters. Look at this. Andrew Sprague, like his little Halloween contest, trolling for babes. <laughs> oh, this is great, dude. This is fucking priceless. Raven, keep talking. Is Olaf Beamer still reading the book? I think he is, isn't he? Chris McJunkin? I feel like these guys are still reading, dude. Brother Subliminal. No address given. Classic. I don't know. Just, uh... All in all, this is fucking fantastic. Did you get the back issue? I mean, the back cover? Which is for Wildstar? So, I'm assuming that you didn't. Stephen Lambert, Matt. Oh, dude, it's so good. These are fucking so good. Like, uh, this is a awesome trip down memory lane. Well, whatever you said, it was really interesting. <laughs> oh, dude. Basically, yeah, you didn't miss anything too interesting. I just said, did you, uh, does yours have the Wildstar trade paperback on no, the back? No, it looks like all pages uh, advertising other comics were cut. Okay. But wait, there's more. Wildstar, the trade paperback. Oh, dude. Fantastic. Fantastic! What a great issue. Fun issue to cover. It's good to good to actually do a retro review again. Yeah, we've been wanting to, listeners. We we really do, but you ain't got the and, time. We got we got current issues to review. 
Yeah, you heard how long it took for us to like go over what we're currently reading. Oh, so good though, Jim. We got to do this again, dude. Well, we got to get two forty done, which we hope to do next week when Craig gets back. Right. So look forward to it, dear listeners. I'm excited. Because that is two forty is a fucking belter, and we don't want to do it without him. Oh yeah, that is a hell of an issue. Uh, I can't fucking wait for that one. So, thank you for indulging us. Uh, thank you for this walk down memory lane. Thank you, Jim, for this opportunity. So fun. Just going over that time capsule. Like, what a fucking, what a treasure. What a treasure, indeed. <laughs> what a treasure. What a no fucking sh- treasure. What a fucking, you fucking treasure, you. You fucking treasure. So treasurous. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, uh, thank you, Savage Dragon listeners, for joining us for this chunk of 1994 gold. It's aged like fucking fine wine, in my opinion, anyway. Or at least boiled lobster. <laughs> Jason, if you're out there somewhere, God bless you, if you're man. You're listening. Rest, rest your soul. I'm going with that theory. I think that's highly feasible. I'm trying to remember how uh, they ended Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. You know something. So good, so classic. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody. We'll be back. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.